Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ghost Army Podcast. It has been a while since we've had an episode of The Gap, uh, but there's a couple of reasons why we are bringing it back now. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Ghost Army Podcast was a very popular and prolific bolt-action podcast for a long time that really focused on how to play bolt-action both well uh, as in we focused on strategies, uh, but also how you could play well and historically at the same time. It's not just curb stomping noobs for fun and profit. It's making lists that you can play bolt action with that are effective, fun to play with, and usually are historically minded. Now, we did have a, a, a soft start in 2020. Um, we announced the gap was coming back. We were very excited about it. And unfortunately, technology wasn't ready for this to move forward. The idea was that the Ghost Army podcast would run as a YouTube channel as well as a podcast, as Cast Dice now does. But the technology wasn't ready yet, and we were having issues with lagging and severe drop in quality, both audio and video. So we actually had to pause that uh, until technology, or we caught up with the technology, uh, we being me. Hi. Well, as you've noticed, if you've been paying attention to the Cast Eyes Podcast Network, well, we are now both a video YouTube channel podcast. This is on YouTube right now. Uh, you can see all of the slides from today and my guest's lovely face once I put him on and mine on YouTube. And you can follow along as we talk through the army that we are going to talk about, as you can tell by the thumbnail. Spoilers. The other reason why we're bringing back the Ghost Army podcast today is because we're talking about an army that is very rarely seen on the bolt action tabletop. And in order to really dig into that army, we need to bring back a subject matter expert, a man from the old school of bolt action. You would know his name from the Ghost Army podcast in the past. You would know him from the LRDG podcast days, but you would definitely know him from Bolt Action Radio if you go back that far. This is a man who had his finger on the original Bolt Action campaign system that was written as part of boltaction.net or the WWPD network. Uh, and that, of course, was Road to Victory. He also wrote The Armies of Ethiopia, which you can find today on Pete West's wonderful Bolt Action resource website, Bolt Alt, that's A L T, boltaltaction.com. You can find the armies of Ethiopia there if you go to the alternative bolt action army list. But this man was also an engineer and architect behind a lot of the rules changes that went into what 
later became boltaction.net format, which, you know, you might think, is that anything like the juggernaut format or something like that? Well, this was the original. This was the set of rules that boltaction.net put together um, to modify boltaction version one to make it a better game. And a lot of those rules were implemented by Warlord and Alessio and were used in Bolt Action version two. So this guy is kind of a big deal, at least in my opinion. And he's a really old friend. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to have him back. The man, the myth, the legend, Seabax, or should we call him Craig Baxter? Welcome back to the Ghost Army podcast, brother. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Happy, happy to be in the in the seat again. Oh man, it is so good to see your beautiful face back on this podcast, my friend. You have been playing Greeks for a long time. In fact, those of you who can dig into the Wayback Machine and find old podcast episodes for networks that no longer exist will be able to hear you talk on Bolt Action Radio. Bolt Action Radio Speakeasy, and I'm pretty sure there's an LRDG2 or a Ghost Army podcast somewhere where you were on talking about the Greeks as well. Yeah, I played a lot of Greeks. I played a lot of Greeks back in the day. After my first army was the Russians, they were always my first love. But after the uh, Minor Allies came out, I uh, jumped right into jumped jumped right into those those smaller nation books, just because there's there's so much nuanced history. And for those of us like old grognars who've like grown up watching nothing but history channel and like getting those old time life books from the public libraries and your school libraries, like, you know, most of the stuff you've read, like every book by Anthony Beaver and, and, you know, all these, all this, this information about the, especially like the Western front. Right. So I was always drawn to the Eastern front. But then the history of the minor nations is like super fascinating to me. And I have like a little bit of a Greek connection in my life. So I just, as soon as that came out, I was like, wait, I can play Greeks? Like, let's do this. And like, it's amazing how little resource there was like eight, nine years ago when we were doing this, like to know about Greeks. I mean, I had to go into like the deepest, darkest parts of the internet to like figure out Greek history and like know what was going on and like find like really bad Greek documentaries with subtitles that were really fuzzy just to like figure out what actually happened. Um, and now it's a lot more accessible. Um, but yeah, it was. And, and at the time, I know there's not a ton of options for models now, but there are more um, mm-hmm. exponentially more, uh, oh, yeah. meaning like I think there's like two ranges now. And back in the day, I had to convert my entire army um from like various various uh manufacturers like italian and french lines and like mm-hmm. i was taking like russian the plastic russian heads from the warlord kits and like trimming the trimming the little beveled edge around the helmet off so they didn't have those and like painting mustaches on all my guys so they look like you know pizza delivery guys and like <laughs> like it was it was pretty it was a lot of fun that that army was a definitely a labor of love and uh playing it was fun you know you know this as well as i do like at the end of the day bolt action is really about like your squads and everyone has access to the squad you know like everyone get regular rifle guys and that's like Mm -hmm. the core of your army and everything else is like support but you're not winning games unless you're playing with the squads right and so since everyone has access to the same stuff you really can play these minor nations, whether it's Axis minor nations or allied minor nations, and actually do quite well. I played, I hadn't played Bolt Action version two in probably 
like four years, five years. It's been a long time. Um, I just after after the bar closed down, um, I just got into other games. I played Bolt Action like all, literally from the moment first edition came out to the moment second edition came out was just like lived and breathed Bolt Action in World War II, and I took a break and I hadn't played for a long time. And then me and my family recently moved. And I'm like trying to meet people and get into like the gaming scene. And I'd actually, of all my bolt action armies, I, I, I'd sold most of them off because we just moving from Alaska down to the States was, it's, it's very expensive. Like oh, it was yeah. going to cost us like upwards of 30 grand to move the whole household. So I sold most of my stuff. I said, you know what, once I get, once I get there, I'll figure out what games are being played in the area. And then I'll just re I'll just start over. Um, and uh the first thing i found was was a bolt action tournament at a game store called um battleground cafe in white bear lake minnesota dude let me tell you about this place because it is boss if anyone anyone out there's ever been to the moxie in seattle mm. um the moxie's fantastic why because it's got a full restaurant where you can go and like get real food and like drinks and stuff and you can play games and shop like they have a they have and they have separate rooms for like card games and miniature games and all this stuff. This place is like a moxie light. Like they have like a full cafeteria with like hot sandwiches and hot pizzas and they have a freaking espresso machine and basically like all the food you'd find at like a 7-Eleven, right? And it's just this big huge like open playing area. We had like 16 guys, 14 guys playing in this tournament. And there was like a magic commanders event going on. And commander's huge. So there must yeah. have been 30 people in there for commander, you know, and it was a really nice game store. And it just happens to be 30, like, or not 30 minutes, like half a mile from my sister-in-law's house. So I was like two weekends into moving. I was like, Hey honey, you want to go to your, your sister's house this weekend? And she was like, for sure. And I was like, Oh, by the way, I won't be there. I'm gonna be in this tournament, and the only army, the only army I saved from my bolt action days was my Greek army. And the reason was, I knew that I could recollect Americans, I could recollect Germans, I could recollect my Russians, but I was there was no way on God's green earth that I was going to reconvert an entire Greek army from scratch. Um, right. There was just you know I had I had converted all the light machine guns to be the. Um, the old French light machine guns from World War One. I. I think they're called like show shows or something like that. The ones that that where where they thought you they would leave the magazine open so you could see how many rounds you have left, and then they would just get full of dirt and jam. You know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about? Like I converted I all those for my light machine gun squads, and I made VB launchers for all my units, and you know, um, I converted up Greek crews for my Bren carriers, you know, so that they actually had you know greek crews i even found like some greek orthodox priests um and like um got them into the army and i use them as like either the the the, the commanding officer or one of his little buddies that runs around you know i had a guy with a bugle and a guy with a greek flag and like it was just you know it was a lot of fun like doing the conversion project and i was like you know what i'm gonna keep this and it just happened to be the first game miniatures game i played when i moved to minnesota was a bolt action game playing my greeks um, and it was great. I went two and one and played the game in years, which is, is a testament to how like simple and great the bolt action rule system still is. Like mm -hmm. I was, I was at a, another, another gaming systems event over the weekend, uh, Battletech Alpha Strike. And that's the same thing. Like it's a simple rule system. And so it's very easy to learn, but it's very difficult to master. And that's how bolt action is. It's like, we all have access to the same tools. 
right? Mm-hmm. I have riflemen, you have riflemen. You have a light tank, I have a light tank. And and we all we, you you've played bolt action long odds. You know this is like the heavier you go, heavier you go on vehicles, more disservice you're doing to your ability to win. Like mm-hmm. bolt action really is about like boots on the ground. I always tell people like if I was to run the most ideal tank list, right? Like a tank platoon list in an open format where you could run tanks and infantry platoons. I would run a Greek army with two tank platoons and an infantry platoon. And each tank platoon would have five of those L3 tank ads. Mm-hmm. Right. And you would just, I just, I don't know how you would lose. <laughs> well, Bob, Bob, Bob Emerson of Mad Bob Miniatures famously won a couple of big UK events running uh, I believe it was a French list with dual platoons that was 10 FT 17s because they're yeah. like 50 or 60 point tanks. And he yeah, had they're super them. efficient. Yeah. It's like, deal with that. Have fun. Yeah. yeah. You, you're like, why would you ever take a medium machine gun when you can have an L three tank at that's two medium machine guns with armor on that moves for yeah. 15 more points. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we will so, talk about that in just one second. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, the Battleground Hobbies, I've heard that the Snafu guys, the Snafu podcast yep. guys talk yep. about that place a lot. Was that a Snafu yep. event? We there. Yep. No, it was not a Snafu event. It was a jug, Juggernaut event, which I, I, I'd never played jug, Juggernaut before. I, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of it. Um, but it was uh, uh, just one of the, one of the guys who um, plays at that um, – um, game store he ran the tournament he provided a lot of the train although there were a couple other guys who provided train too um and he decided he was going to run it as a juggernaut event the snafu guys were there um um and so i want to say there was at least two or three of them guys for from snafu that were there so that was cool hi snafu guys uh yeah (laughs) i'm hoping they watch this uh, yeah, because I know from listening to their show that they regularly go to that venue, and mm-hmm. I've heard great things, which is why I was smiling and pointing to the camera when you started talking about it, because I've heard this before, uh, and I really yeah. need to get there. Yeah, but- I mean, I would I would tell anyone whether you play bolt action or not, if you're in if you're in Minnesota and like in the Twin Cities, which is probably where you are when you come to Minnesota, um, do yourself a favor, go to White Bear Lake. And go to the battleground cafe. White Bear Lake is like five minutes north of St. Paul, off of uh, 35E. Mm-hmm. Battleground Cafe is 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 one of the coolest game stores I've ever been, and they have so much stuff. Like they are fully stocked with not just like you know most places like Magic, Pokemon, Warhammer, right? Yeah. And then token other game that is played locally. This place had mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. They had marvel crisis protocol they had a ton of bolt action they had flames of war they had all the gw stuff they had like bushido they had some of the i want like just like a bunch of different games a bunch of BattleTech stuff Uh, they had a a great board game selection like which is really hard to find at game stores a lot of times like it was a really cool place and it was clean like their tables and everything are really really nice and i've been to a couple other game stores Mm -hmm. you know in my time that you walk in you're just like how are you in business you know, but like you can tell they really care. And the owner, the owner of the store, like actually came was like playing. I, I don't know if he played in the tournament or was just like playing casual games of bolt action, but he was like super chill guy and like really friendly towards like the bolt action community and the historical guys, like which was really nice to see because sometimes you're kind of like the guys taking up space in the back of the room who play this silly like historical game um, at some places. And, and, and so, you know, it was, it was cool. The staff were really great. Like I said, and like, 
I went and got like a full pizza for lunch at the venue that was like a legit pizza and like you could get coffee and like sodas and like all that stuff. So that that it's just a really a really cool like really community oriented um gaming store and I I really liked it. Like every time I go visit my sister-in-law, I like take my boy up there to like buy Pokemon cards and like like peruse the miniatures and like throw money there where buy paints and glue cuz I'm like I'm like in the sticks now. Um and so I'm like, well, when I'm in town, that's when I'm going to get my restock on and I'm going to go there. So Exactly right. Got to kind of get that supply uh, airdropped in if you otherwise. Yep. But Craig, let's talk about something that you are acutely aware of, and that is the armies of Greece. Now, Winston Churchill famously said, hence, we will not say that Greeks fight like heroes, but that heroes fight like Greeks. And that is interesting given just how little love this army sees on the bolt action tabletop. I mean, if you look at the actual army list, it's only a couple of pages in the army of France and the minor powers allied minor powers. And the, the, the art for that is literally a picture of Falschmeager dropping into Crete. No Greeks in sight. Sometimes it does feel a little bad to look at that army list. I know that Actar from Tasmania, uh, Actar giraffe on all the forums, loves his Norwegians and he runs through the same thing. But as you said, a unit bolt action is similar to other units, uh, a rifleman's a rifleman, a rifleman. But what makes that difference is the selections that you can take the, the other little bits and pieces and the army national rules. So Greg, I'm going to read through the army national rules and then I'm going to ask you your take on them as the experienced Greek player. And we can uh, have a little chat there. So let's start with the first one, which is one that we see in a lot of the armies of the of France and the other allied minor powers book. This was a, a cut and paste across a ton of those lists because it represents allies struggling to deal with the Blitzkrieg. So it's called communication breakdown. In the first turn of the game, if the first order dice drawn from the cup is yours, the enemy can decide if that is put back in the cup and a new order die is drawn instead. It's not every turn, which I know some people have said in the past. It is every, it, it's only the first order dice of the game. Has this made a big difference in your games? No, it never, it never has. In fact, oftentimes I don't even want the first order dice of the game. You know, like I, I'm like first, the first turn I want my opponent to, cause you, you, you know how it is. Like you're often not fighting yet. You're maneuvering into position and I'd rather see where my opponent wants to move i want to see his hand so i can respond to that and react to it um i don't want i don't so it doesn't bug me when this happens i personally i wish for flavor flavor wise that it was every turn i think that it would become more of a critical handicap for the minor nations and really represent that communications breakdown if it was every turn and that's saying that that's me as like a a, uh a flavor player you know someone who who wants to like um play the lore you know play the story you know live the character as it were as opposed to uh just like own my opponent and but because it's not that this really has very little if no impact on the game um and minor allies and minor axis powers that players who have this rule will know that and like i said oftentimes on turn one i don't i don't care like i want you to go first i want to i want you to burn your orders before I burn mine, right? Exactly. 
Well, in the case of units that can't pull an order dice, and I think that's where people get the idea that this works every turn. There's a few Russian tanks. Uh, I believe it's the S is the IS two and the SU one five two. You can't use them as the first order each turn because their guns slow or something like that. There is a trick to get around that, folks. If and I hate to throw out tricks. But this is a legitimate strategy in second edition. If you give the order to a lieutenant that's standing next to that tank, you can actually then snap it to action and ta-da, it's the second order dice in the turn. Yeah. Just a little hot take for you. <laughs> the, you know, this, uh, the, and the next special rule really um, impacts that one, that first one. Oh, um, yeah. I'll let you go ahead and read it and then explain what I mean by that. Now, this is one that I also have a lot of to talk about, but I will definitely let you go first and then I can add my experiences, but it is field craft during setup. Any Greek unit starting the game is hidden or can start the game hidden and may start an ambush. If you decide to do so, one of your order dice may be placed next to them as if you'd ordered them to ambush. In addition, in the first turn of the game, all Greek units treat all rough grounds and obstacles as open ground for the purposes of movement. Craig, hit me with the, the knowledge, brother. So when you do this, when you do this and you place your units in the ambush, it just makes it even more unlikely that you're going to pull the first dice. So you mm -hmm. put like two or three units into ambush. And usually what I'm doing is putting my units into ambush that are going to be the ones defending my objectives, mm -hmm. um, depending on the type of the type of mission that you're playing. Definitely. You know, so if it's, if it's a game where you know you're going to be augering down in place with a couple anchor points, which is usually like my bigger rifle squads, because um, the way I like to, I like to play my Greeks is is to have like a hammer and anvil. I like to have a, a a solid a solid line that's holding my backfield, and then I like to have lightning fast troops that can strike anywhere on the board and be very maneuverable and mm -hmm. um, and adaptive. So maybe I'm running up the right side. I need to be on the left side so I can shift very quickly. But then a mm -hmm. solid group of troops holding my backfield. So this is really good because it allows you to start an ambush. And if one of your, your – it makes your opponent really think about, does he want to move right now? Because he, he knows he's going to receive a bunch of fire. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, too, is that it allows you on the first turn if you need to be – like especially in missions where you're the attacker and there's a defined attacker defender not just like one side or the other where both players are trying to achieve the same goal like take objectives in the middle or we both have objectives in our backfield or whatever it allows you to go through terrain mm -hmm. that might otherwise slow you down which is which is huge i use that rule tons with my partisans and it is so valuable um i got into the habit of deploying not where I was expecting, you know, where I wanted things to go. Um, I was thinking I could run through terrain and that would get me to the positions that I actually wanted to get to. So it allowed me to be far more aggressive and to get forward into good defensive positions and then make my opponent come to me. And that was super valuable. Now, I think that this works extraordinarily well because, as you said, you have units that are hidden, that are harder to see and hit. And they're in ambush, so they're ready to go in case somebody walks forward. So as you say, you have that anvil, but then you have the other units, and you can pick points on the tabletop that you can get to before anyone else can because you can run through cover. And that it, it's only six inches, but it makes a huge difference. Um, if right. you can get into different positions, 
then the other player is almost put on the back foot from the first turn and it forces them to really reevaluate their plan. This rule is huge. And I think this really helps make the Greek army work. Yeah. And I've, I've never, I've never done this and I've always wanted to, and I've not done it because I don't have a unit of them because I need to um, convert a bunch of them up. But it literally says here, Greek infantry units treat rough ground and obstacles as open, and the Greeks have access to cavalry. Yes, they do. So, so I have always, and we'll get into this when we when we get to the cavalry troop. But I played a bunch of Cossacks with my Russians, and mm-hmm. that gives them an incredible th- those units incredible amount of mobility on turn one to just all of a sudden be like on your opponent in a place mm-hmm. they're not expecting you to be because you're moving the that cavalry as if that that terrain is not there right it also yeah. allows you to to move your units very like quickly and get into cover or into a position that might take otherwise take you two or three turns to get to mm-hmm. or um get to a position where they're not caught in the open and since it's turn one your opponent probably doesn't have any ambushes out or very few ambushes out so they're not going to catch you like running between buildings or running between woods you're going to be able to like just make this huge dash move. And it also, if you deploy units in the woods or in cover to begin with, to protect them from when your opponent activates, then when you activate, you move as if you're not there. And that, that can be always hard. Sometimes when I'm deploying units, playing bolt action, I'm like, man, I really want to be in these woods in case my opponent tries to shoot me turn one. So I get the cover, but I also want to be able to move. And if I'm already if I'm taking advantage of this cover and I have to move over this obstacle or move through this area of terrain, this is going to slow me down. So what do I do? Do I deploy outside of the building? Well, now I'm further back, or I'm out of position and I'm not where I need to be. So this this is a great great rule. Um, um, for for a first turn rule, it really allows you to um, to alpha strike or you know in in Warhammer terms, Rhino Rush. Right? Um, there's a Greek Rhino Rush list that you can build too which is amazing by the way and we'll we'll get into that a little bit but it's yes, a it's a fantastic rule and it really helps the greeks a lot because they don't have access to a lot of the other stuff although i don't i don't think the greeks lack of access to certain things is a hindrance i think that it just helps you with like your distractions right so it makes it a lot easier to make decisions and they have access to all the necessary things so um but this is a fantastic rule i love this rule well let's talk about the next one infiltration Now, this one we've seen in a lot of different army lists. Famously, it's one of the big American rules that you see in the armies of the USA. Win outflanking, as described on page 119 of the Bolt Action Rulebook, and that's, of course, version 1, not version 2, ladies and gentlemen. The Greek units ignore the minus 1 order test for coming onto the table. This helps you with your early, mid, and late game mobility because it encourages you to make outflank moves which, um, you know, depending on where the objectives are or where your opponent's units are, can be really valuable. You just need to really be aware of the tabletop and the game state to make sure that you're not deploying on the wrong side um, because that happens. Yeah, one of the things that I really like about about this rule too is um, it's a rule that really, um, I find it coming into play when I'm writing lists a lot. And that's because normally I don't like to run like inexperienced transports um, that I plan on outflanking with because they're 
you know, they're going from a seven to a six or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but you're getting that minus one modifier and they're even less reliable for coming on. But with this mm -hmm. rule, they're coming on basically how regulars do. And yeah. so at that point, it's like, if you're running a bunch of trucks to transport your guys, who cares that yeah. they're inexperienced? Like, I don't care about running an inexperienced truck on the board. My goal is to bring that thing in on from out flank, dump my infantry off, and then be gone with the truck. So I just I can shave eight points a truck, and that might mm -hmm. that might make the difference between running a medium artillery piece or a heavy artillery piece. That might make the difference between being able to take, you know, a, a, a tank or an armored car or not, or um, having a, a regular lieutenant or a first lieutenant over a second lieutenant at the end of the day. And that can that can be really really big. And so I uh, this rule not only like helps you in game in that but like when you're listing i think it's really important to think about how this rule impacts your um outflanking and what units you're going to put there you know sometimes mm -hmm. like you know sometimes you're like man i don't want to put these inexperienced infantry into outflank because they might not ever show up putting inexperienced infantry outflank in a greek army they come on just as good as regular infantry doing any other army and you can hold them off the board until turn three or turn four not have them all shot to pieces and then they show up full strength sitting on an objective when your opponent's been beat up and you only have to wither two rounds or three rounds of fire instead of six rounds of fire, which, you know, and, and, and then they're, they can actually hold the objective. And so sometimes I'll, I'll plan on using, using this rule with my inexperienced troops to like protect them a little bit, and then also use them to run and cap objectives at the end of the game when they're at full strength and the opponent's been beat up, they've got pins on them, they've taken casualties. Um, and I don't have to worry about them not showing up. They're going to show up just like regular troops do. So it's a, it's, it's really good. There's a lot of play in this rule. Um, and it almost sometimes when I, I mean, sometimes when I play with armies that have this and, you know, since I play Greeks, a lot it, it comes into play it feels mm -hmm. a little dirty um but it it definitely helps those the armies that have it because oftentimes they're armies that don't have access to some of the uh, more interesting units especially when it comes to infantry greeks don't have a lot of they have the rifle guys but they don't have like some of the more interesting units like squads of smgs and squads of assault rifles and guys who have this and that this uh, so just to quickly clarify if you are coming in from outflank with an inexperienced squad your leadership eight it drops to seven and as you said earlier, if you put an inexperienced squad to grab an objective and they come in halfway through the game rather than at the beginning of the game, uh, one of those things is you only have to move them once to the objective, run them to the objective, and then every other turn just go down. And all of a sudden, that squad is way more durable. And it really, really, really helps when you are running into that common problem of bolt action happening and even your veteran squads are having problems coming on the board, all of a sudden this fixes it. The number of times I've failed that coming on roll by one, no matter what the veterancy, this mm -hmm. rule, I was playing Americans recently and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. It really makes a difference. And and I'm not 100% sure on this, Brad, but I think on that... Uh on that page number it's probably different for version two because remember this book was written for for v1 yeah no the outflank's really good for the greeks um armored cars coming in from outflank is fantastic because greeks only have access to things with lots of machine guns and uh it's just a bad day when you know when an l3 tank with too many machine guns comes rolling up from behind you as you're trying to press 
press the attack and um just having that reliability is huge it's it it like i don't stress about putting things into outflank like like it's not an issue for me like it is in any other army where i'm just like man i struggle with making that decision like with this rule i'm like hey if it's needed i'm gonna do it i'm not gonna be like well maybe i should maybe i should and i'm like eh, obviously i need to outflank in this mission and you're gonna do it and it's great well right on well let's actually get into the actual meat and potatoes of the list some of this stuff is just what we are used to seeing on a bolt action tabletop so the officer i believe it's the same old officer we see in other places you have a first lieutenant second lieutenant captain major uh, you can have up to two extra dudes nothing new there so i'm just going to jump on one thing i point out here brad in the uh, officer it's one of the only ways your greeks can access submachine guns of course so yes, i know it's like it's the standard like you take a two or three man officer squad with submachine guns and they're you're like your little mobile assault squad i like to take inexperience because I, I just like to shave the points and i don't when i build a greek list i don't i tend to not rely on the officer and what he can do whether it's the snap two or giving me um, bonuses to my morale i i tend to not care i don't build lists trying to like i i build lists knowing i'm not going to have that and right. so they're you know putting a couple guys with submachine guns on the board can be really helpful for like making a final assault in-game play holding an objective and keeping a, an opponent at base submachine guns can be huge for that um if they're coming in um and you hide these guys in the backfield but it is one i think the forward observer is the only other way you can get a submachine gun um and so uh just keep keep that in mind like you're not going to have access to submachine guns unless you're you you have have it on an officer and his team that's a really good point uh because i was going to mention that when we got to the actual squads let's talk about the medic who cannot get a submachine gun who is literally the same as all the other medics that we know and love keeping in mind he only comes in veteran now the forward observer is something you just mentioned again as you said you can get a pistol submachine gun or rifle uh you can take the forward observer as a regular or veteran but it's only the artillery one. They do not have access to an air observer. Craig, how does this guy fit into your army list? Because I know you've played with him in the past. Yeah, I I used to play with him more. Um, for some reason, it, I found smoke a lot more. I like. I am one of those guys who loves smoke. Mm -hmm. I like trying to make it work. And I felt in version one, smoke was way more reliable and uh, better than now with the templates. And I just... I've tended to not play the artillery observer as much anymore, uh, just because it's a lot of points. Um, and I think those points can be better spent elsewhere in a Greek army. And so I generally don't, don't use it unless I want to go with like a, like a, like minimum squad size platoon force organization where I'm trying to take as much HE as possible in a Greek list. There's a way to do that where you just have like all the guns. I don't yes. think it's a really good good list, you know, because you run like an observer and a mortar team and VV launchers and um, and howitzers. Um, and if you can double platoon, then you get access to multiples. But then you're like, all I have is five man inexperienced squads, and yeah. like it gets to be really tough. And so I generally don't use the medic, and I don't use the uh, forward observer. Um, yeah. If I was to run it, I would just I would just run a single regular guy. I wouldn't waste the points on extras 
and I would call in the artillery as soon as possible so I don't get him killed and then yeah. lose out on that. I would just the first the first sign of like troop concentration from the enemy, I'd just be like, boom. Yeah, you if know? you were gonna run a universal carrier spam list and you were gonna do my favorite death by a thousand paper cuts and have units that are able to split fire with two weapons to put pins on two different units at once. If you were gonna run a bunch of universal carriers with squads inside. And there are some great armored cars, and as you say, tanks that back that up in this list. I would probably include a forward observer. Um, the last time I successfully ran my Indian carrier list, which was exactly that, um, it had the free British observer. And though, if given a choice, I would trade it out for the Sikh rule of dropping the free, uh, you know, already observer and replacing it with the ten for a free ten regular men. I would be lying if I didn't say that the Artie Observer did make a big difference in helping me to get the pins on, to get my vehicles into place, to put the additional pins on. But again, now that you can rally and not have the pins add to the rally, yeah. that list isn't as good as it used to be. Yeah. But hey, still works. A lot of people are running yeah, it. Rallying, um, rallying and getting pins off of guys is so much more efficient in version two than version one. Like mm -hmm. that was one thing when I played in that tournament that really caught me off guard because I had only played a handful of V2 um, games before the bar shut down. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just not like relying on pins. So like nuke units off the board and make them combat ineffective. It's just not the same anymore. You have to, you have to be able to like kill squads. Um, and so while there is a strategy to pinning guys, there's just a lot more better and more efficient ways to get pins off of guys we're yeah. playing in that tournament you know we played the juggernaut rules and juggernaut allows anyone to run a cleric which i thought was awesome for the greeks mm -hmm. um because i have yeah, greek orthodox bishop models with shotguns and stuff and um man like i found that cleric to be like the the hero man like it's this cheap model and he's just like when he activates you roll a dice and if he passes a skill test he gets to pull a pin off someone and it was so efficient if you're playing jug rules and you're not running a cleric, you know, a, a, a chaplain or whatever, you probably should consider it because it's not that big of an investment. And you you probably out of six turns are pulling four or five pins off of guys. And it's so nice to be able to like pull that one pin off of that squad that's got one pin and not have to even sweat about like rolling the activation or rolling rolling to activate, right? And then losing it. And so it it really it was really good. But yeah, this I just I don't know. I just don't find a use for them really anymore. Ford observers in a Greek, you know, in other armies it makes more sense. In a Greek army, I think you want those hundred points into like a couple of armored cars and maybe a couple Bren carriers and upgraded machine guns and doing things like that, which which is gonna more I think more efficiently put out pins and put them where you need them to be when you need them to be. Well, let's start talking infantry squads here. There are three. There is a regular squad, an inexperienced squad, and a cavalry squad. Let's start by talking about the base bare bones infantry section. It is a 50-point regular squad with an NCO and four dudes. So just like almost every other regular squad in the game, it's 10 points per dude. You can take up to, to six additional dudes for a total of 11 guys. Uh, again, all additional dudes are 10 guys. Oh, sorry, 10 points each. One guy can have a light machine gun at 20 points. Of course, another guy becomes a loader. One guy can have a VB launcher, and we'll talk about that in a second. 
And the entire unit can be given tough fighters representing the mountain brigade troops for one point per man. They have no additional rules unless you pay to give them tough fighter. And the VB launcher is a, it's a rifle grenade. It's basically a short range mortar and it's a six to 18 inch two D two HE weapon that can fire, or I think has to fire indirectly. So I, I should be clear instead of can, it has to. This is, I think, the backbone of what you're going to see in almost everyone's army for the Greeks. Given that they have no veteran squads, this is it. Um, yeah. What is your feelings about this unit? I run these I run these units two different ways. So I either run minimum five-man squads, um, and I put them in Bryn carriers. I don't put them in trucks. It's 50 points. I will then upgrade them to be tough fighters because they're my... Um, you know, back in the 40K days, the Rhino Rush Assault Marines with that Tough Fighter. I mean, this was really good in version one when Tough Fighter was just like double dice. Yeah. Um, um, so I'll run them in a Bryn Carrier um, with an upgraded uh, Pintle Mounted machine gun. So I, I either start them on the board, bring them on from reserves, or depending on it, I might even outflank with them. But you're putting out, I'm I'm trying to run. I usually try to run two or three squads like that with Bryn carriers, and then I try to split the machine gun fire so I'm maximizing my pin output, not maximizing my kills um, unless I need to concentrate on something. And the the thing I'll need to concentrate on is like if there's a gun with a gun shield that just has to go away, and it, that's especially if it's auto cannons. Um, I I despise auto cannons with a passion. Depending on uh, whether or not I've had enchiladas recently or not, I'll add that VB launcher. Um, if I want to be spicy, it isn't the most efficient use of points, but when it works, it feels really good. If you if you get in too short, you can still use the guys a rifleman to just have a little he shot in that squad to hit something that's in hard cover um, that's augered in. Especially with covers, just cover just feels so much better now. Especially the hard stuff, it it just works really. It can work. It can work really well. Now the problem with this is indirect fire, so you're fishing for sixes. You're always fishing for sixes with it because you're never stationary. You're always moving, and that's where it's like, man, do I really drop sixty points? You know, if I'm running three squads in Bryn carries, do I drop sixty points? And maybe even like two thirds of the game. I'm in outflank or I'm in reserve. So I'm not even on the board, but it is a nice little extra oomph. And sometimes it's a meta issue, you know, like if you're playing, you know, you're playing certain guys who play on certain boards with certain terrain. Uh, in the tournament mm -hmm. I played in, I ran them um, because I was, I just wanted to run them. I was like, I'm going full fluff. Greeks had VB launchers. I'm running VB launchers. And they actually worked out for me because I played on three city boards. Every game I played on was in a city. It was like a, like a, you know, a winter, I was a winter city board with a big open courtyard in the middle. And then the next one was like a North Africa board in like a Arab town. And then the last one was like a German village board. And when I say a city board, I mean like 80% of the train were houses or walls, you know, so they actually worked out even though they didn't hit that much when they did, it was just a nice little touch. Cause you know, you hit, you're hitting a building with an HE instead of hitting a squad. 
you know, and the rules for targeting squads and buildings is different now in version two. Um, and so they can work really well and they can be a really nice touch, but it is a lot of points. Yeah. I never run the machine guns. My machine guns aren't in infantry squads. My machine guns are on all the, the vehicles. Yeah. Um, now, when I ran the, uh, when I was up in uh, White Bear Lake at the tournament at Battleground Cafe, I did run some light machine guns because we were playing juggernaut rules. And the other way I will run my Greek squads is full infantry squads. I, would, I don't normally run the light machine gun in there, although I have all the models. Um, it's just, they're still too expensive. Uh, you know, yep. I, in my mind, machine guns either need to do, you know, all machine guns either need to do even more. The output needs to be increased by 50% or the points got to come down by half to make them worth taking. Um, or they just need to be auto-included into, like, it's part of your base unit composition. You get a light machine gun. But I just don't think the points are very efficient when you're playing competitive bolt action. You know, you know, Brad, from back in my day, I mostly played more casual group games like most of the games if you saw my articles and battle reports on bolt action radio um were six guys in my garage playing bolt action for the night and we'd have two teams on uh you know oftentimes even a bigger than a six by uh four foot foot board and i'd mm -hmm. always throw machine guns in because machine guns were in every squad in world war ii you know they just right. existed um but when you're playing competitive bolt action you got to be really points cost conscious and so i cut them Sometimes I'll run a VB launcher in them for, for fun, um, depending on the meta, but sometimes I won't. Uh, I ran them uh, at that tournament in White Bear Lake. I ran VB launchers in all of them because I wanted to. And they worked out sometimes, but sometimes they didn't because they're fishing for sixes, you know. My foot infantry, I won't run as mountain troops because I just expect them to either be holding my backfield or taking too many casualties and it just ends up being a waste of points. Um, you know, you're spending one point per guy. That's I think they can take a total of 11 guys in the squad. That's an additional 11 points. Let's say half the guys die before you even get a chance to get into combat. You, you just wasted all those points. You know, that's 15, 20 points a game that isn't being utilized for more important things. And I'm not thinking of these guys as assaulters, whereas the guys in the Bryn carriers, they're my go take that objective squad. Right. Exactly. That's their purpose. They're they're in my enemy's backfield. They're assaulting their mortar teams and the machine gun teams and their artillery teams. Like that's what they're doing. And they're cleaning up remnants of guys. And so I like having that tough fighters on them. And I'm willing to spend five points on them because by the time I get into combat with them, and by in combat, I mean out of the Bryn carrier. Because the Bryn carrier is basically Terminator armor for a Greek, right? <laughs> Like yes. that's all it is. Like when I play them, I'm like, these go, these bros are my terminators. You're bulletproof. You can still take pins cause you're open top, but you're bulletproof. Like they can't yeah. kill your dudes unless they kill the Bryn carrier. And so you bail out. And when you bail out, you should be bailing out either on an objective or in range to assault. And since you're a five man squad, having tough fighters makes it feel like you got an eight man squad, right. which gives you a little more confidence, especially since you can't run submachine guns. Um, exactly. in these squads. Exactly. So anytime, anytime this, if, if the purpose of the squad is to get in a transport and go somewhere and take something, then yes, take them. So you might, maybe you have an eight man squad. You put in a truck. I don't really run trucks in my Greek list, but I, there's, there's a place for it. But for my standard infantry that are just like my hold the line guys, like they're, they just got rifles. Their job is to be a meat shield for the objectives put out a pin every turn and, and that's about it. So I do want to touch on a couple of things you said there, but I didn't want to cut you off because that was all 
fried gold, as they say in uh, Shaun of the Dead films, if you take a truck as a transport for these guys, just like the Finn list and some of the other minor power lists, trucks in the Greek list cannot take a medium machine gun. So they are just plain trucks. So you can't do the current hot meta thing of taking 50 trucks with MMGs with this army. So that's a quick reminder before we get into that later on. Another thing is I do also sometimes take squads like this as far as uh, objective sitters, larger regular squads, and then sit them on things. And if I start to get pounded, I'll just go down so people aren't hitting them. But I do sometimes give them tough fighter because it meant that if someone, I, I'm much happier going down. And if someone comes on the board outflanking or through a truck and then assaults me, it's cool. I'm down. Mm -hmm. I mean, my fins do this a lot. We'll all have a squadron yeah. on, a, on an objective and I'm comfortable going down knowing that if they then assault me, they're yeah. going to struggle for it. So, you know, especially no. if I can set up those situations where I have, I'm up against a wall and that, that assault is then simultaneous. It's like, well, you can shoot me and not hit me, or you can assault me and we're going to go at the same time. And I'm going to have that dice. So again, no. it's, it's, but again, I don't know if you need it for every squad, but that is just something to think about. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it has to do with how you how you want to build your list. There's definitely a place for that. Like you could build a Greek list that did that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't do it because I want I want to make my points as efficient as possible for exactly. being for the rest of the army, which is very mobile and in your face. Mm -hmm. And so I just think to myself, like, if the game is going in my direction. I don't have to worry about those troops getting assaulted in the backfield because I'm going to be the one controlling the pace of the game and dictating like, like um, where the fight is happening. And it's going to be on my opponent's half of the board. Um, and I want to put as many points as possible into getting all the toys that I need to be able to do that. I do that through small squads, Bryn carriers, all the armored car gloriousness and go about it that way. Um, cause that's my, that's how I like to play my Greeks, but you're, you're definitely right. There's a, there's a world where you write a Greek list, which is like, you know, like a, a, a retaining wall on the Atlantic ocean, right. When the mm -hmm. waves are crashing in and you the whole point is like, you know what, I'm going to put, I'm going to have all the big guns. I'm going to sit back. I'm just going to drill my opponent as he comes in. And when he assaults me, he's going to have to deal with tough fighters and be and be very cagey and defensive in that regard and that is definitely a very viable list that you could run as well and if and you're right if you wanted to run a list or that was your style of play then take the tough fighters on your big units yeah, um exactly. that's that's definitely a reasonable a reasonable way to uh to play yeah now i also want to touch on vb launchers i know a lot of people in the past have said oh they're too expensive uh you know why would you do that and i have been that guy uh because i up until recently as a very experienced Japanese player, I've taken knee mortars a lot. They've never worked for me until recently when I played in the Bolt Action World Series, um, when I was playing Japanese in two different games. And in one of those games, the knee mortars were unbelievable. They could not miss. And I was mm -hmm. blown away at just how effective they were because it was, as you were saying, it was on the ruins of Shanghai that I was doing that. And so it was a lot of rough ground. It was a lot of buildings, a lot of hard cover. And I was just rolling sixes to sixes to hit with everything until I got to my knee mortars. And all of a sudden I was just rolling sixes and some of those sixes got through and it felt really good. 
uh, especially when I was able to put two pins on my opponent because it is a D2 pin. And that felt real good. It's too bad with the VB launchers that they don't allow you to direct fire like you can with like a howitzer. Like it right. seems to me like of all the video I've ever seen of someone firing a rifle grenade, nine times out of 10, they're just like pointing it at the spot yeah. they want to hit with mm -hmm. the rifle and just like punching a hole, right? Like, so it, like if they ran it more like a Piat um, with an HE attack, like, like mm -hmm. I think that would have been a lot more, like it would have been cooler and probably would have been a little more accurate. I don't know, you know, but it's or, what it is, right? Hands are fat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Well, our inexperienced squad is literally the same thing. It is five yep. dudes uh, for 35 points because they're seven points each, six additional guys for seven points each. You can have a light machine gun for 20 points, a VB launcher for 20 points. And no kids, there is no tough fighter on this inexperienced squad. But that is it. It is literally almost a cut and paste from the regular squad, except inexperienced. It does not have green. It doesn't have sharkers or any of those other rules. It's just an experience. Craig, any experience with these guys? Yeah, occasionally I'll, um, because because of how I'm building my list and how I need to trim points, I'll take a squad of two of these um, and do, like I said at the beginning, like I often, if I'm going to run them, I don't want them holding my objectives. I want them out flanking. Um, I don't want them coming on from reserves either. I, I specifically want them out flanking so that I can protect them as long as I can and then get them on the board. I will point out, I feel that the VB launcher is more efficient in this squad than a regular squad mm -hmm. because, because they're inexperienced and you're just exactly. fishing for sixes either way, right? And so if you're going to take a VB launcher, sometimes this is a good option. Yeah, But um, yeah, I mean, I don't take them a ton. Um, I just don't like the uh, uh, casualty rates of inexperienced squads unless you plan on like spamming the board with lots of them. And so strategically, if I'm building a list, I'm intentionally taking one of these just to be outflankers and to just be like, hey, there's a big squad in your backfield. You have to deal with it, even though you're probably going to wipe it in like a turn or two. You guess where those bullets aren't flying, like to where they need to be somewhere else on the board. So um, you, you know, use them as a distraction. I would never run them up the board on their own unless you're like trying to do a horde and i just don't like doing horde infantry in greeks because there's the reason you do a horde is because it's just like you can't you can't stop them right like they're just going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming so you know you know the first unit is the um is the armor for the next unit right <laughs> um mm -hmm. and so you have ways to do that in this list that are like or in this army selection that's like way more efficient than that and doesn't involve like having to move like 150 troops around the board um so i generally don't really run them unless i'm specifically like well i'll use these guys to outflank let's move on to a squad that i know you have opinions about and we mentioned earlier the cavalry 75 points veteran so i did lie they do have a veteran squad and this is it and it's one nco and four men mounted on horses and you can take up to four additional soldiers for 15 points each. Now, I know that in a lot of lists, they've FAQ'd them to say that they have the carbines where the rifles count as pistols. I don't... When mounted. It's when mounted. When mounted, sorry. And these guys don't have that. I'm not honestly sure if that's in the FAQ. I don't think it is. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but if you're... 
I'll just put it this way. If you're thinking of your mounted troops as um, mobile weapons platforms that shoot, you are probably playing your mounted troops incorrectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just, I made that, I played a lot. I had like a whole platoon of Cossacks that I converted up back in the day and I played them a lot. And anytime I thought like this unit is going to shoot something while on horseback because I have six inch range, like, like forget about it. Right. Like don't even don't like, in my opinion, you don't even want to put that in your mind. You want to, um, you want to play these guys as the same way you would play a, a squad that's inside of a truck. I mean, that's how I've always thought of cavalry. Like, um, you know, oftentimes you can charge and mix it up, although they're very vulnerable because they have a hard time getting cover. Um, they just tend to die very fast. I mean, being veteran is better, um, you know, because they're mounted. Um, are they still, I've not played mounted troops in version two. Do they still count as tough fighters is, or get a plus one attack when mounted in combat? Do not get a plus one attack. Um, that is a rule that only the Polish Polish. Lancers yeah. Um, I, I got, I can't remember if everything gets tough fighter. Uh, I would have to check. Um, I yeah, think it I can't to specifically say it, which is why I'm kind of trying to look up the FAQ and I'm struggling. At the moment. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the way, the way I've always run cavalry, and I think this is, if you have an army that has access to cavalry, this doesn't just go for the Greeks, is you have to think of them as they're in a truck that's shaped like a horse, right? right. Like, they're not, and what's, I mean, what's nice about them is um, horses can't blow up like a truck does. I mean, I guess they could blow up um, individually, but when you take casualties, you take casualties on the individual guys um, as you get shot. Now, that that can have a drawback. Whereas if you're shooting at a truck and they whiff on the truck, your guys are fine. The problem is that trucks die on sixes and all it takes is someone dumping a medium machine gun into it and your truck's probably going to die. And then your squad's going to be having like a less than fantastic day. And so the cavalry allow you to move very fast, very efficiently without spending the extra, you know, in the Greek list, 39 points on a truck. So, you know, if if you're running normal veterans and then you're buying a truck on top of that, your points are going to be more efficiently spent buying cavalry. Um, and so I like cavalry. I like it a lot. But you have to think of it as like this is just a means to move troops from point A to point B. And when I get to point B, which is my objective, I'm going to dismount. Don't stay on the horses. Dismount and start fighting on foot. It, it can be very tempting to not do that because you paid the points to be on a horse. But when you're on a horse, you can't shoot and you have a difficult time assaulting and you have a difficult time in combat and you die very fast. You're, you're essentially paying. What is it? Normal veterans are 13 points a piece. So you're paying two points to make these guys a 12 inch move. Exactly. So in your 10 points versus a truck, which is 39 points. I did look up the FAQ here. There isn't anything additional for cavalry, just that you can take them in the battle for Greece selector. However, there is an additional unit added to the army list. They can take the Laffley heavy toe from page 31 in the armies of France and the allies book. So they can take an artillery toe, which is a nice. Yeah. That was always a problem because the truck, the truck uh, can't tow the medium or heavy artillery. Exactly. Right. Now you could always, every unit now, I believe every army can take the mule cart, but 
Now we have a toe. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, so cavalry's cavalry's a very efficient way to move troops around the board. Right. Um, downside is you not get an extra order dice in the order pool, which I know some guys you build your list to to maximize that. It gives you way more flexibility in your activations. But for ten points versus thirty nine points, I mean it's pretty it's pretty efficient a way to make your veterans move twelve inches until you need them to get off their horses and fight where you want them to. Exactly. And so you know instead of foot slogging it up the board, you can fly up the board. Also, um, or or coming on from out flank, you can f- just fly in from out flank 12 inches. Mm-hmm. I mean, in 12 inches, you're not like threatening objective. You're on an objective. So, exactly. you know, I don't have any Greek cavalry converted up. And so I have never ran them, but I ran a lot of Cossacks. I ran a lot in my Russians and I would run them the exact same way I ran my Cossacks and run them in that way. I'd probably, I'd probably just do five-man squads because once you get into like anything bigger than a five-man squad, I found this in my Cossacks, you're just taking too much of a footprint up on the board. Mm-hmm. You can't hide them. You can't get behind buildings. You can't get behind woods. Someone's going to someone's gonna see you and shoot you. They're going to, you know, hit you with HE and take you out. Like, it's not going to be a fun day. But a five-man, two, one or two five-man squads of this in a Greek list. And I would almost say like, because they're veterans, putting them in outflank would be really good mm-hmm. um, because they don't get that minus one. So they're highly unlikely to not come on. But also keeping them on your backboard out of line of sight as just like a threat, a mobile, mm-hmm. like rapid response team that that's just going to like, oh, my opponent's pushing over here. Boom. Five veterans in your face. Boom. Yeah. Oh, you made a mistake. Let my veterans on horseback just exploit that real quick. Just go exactly. full like alexander the great and just attack your opponent like he's the king of persia you know and just run him down and and hit hit him in his weak spot as you as you manipulate your opponent's army and he exposes his weak points you can really exploit those weak points or where they put gaps in their lines with cavalry um and that's how that's how i would use it and because because they're mobile but they're not the brin carriers your opponent's going to be less concerned about them. And then suddenly, oh my God, cavalry's running down his medium artillery or his mortar or his, or he's on my objective because I'm too busy dealing with these armored machine gun pillboxes on tracks. Right. Um, So they're, they're, they're definitely a viable option in, in a Greek list. Especially since, as you say, it's only two points more than a regular veteran. And this is how you get veterans in this list. Otherwise you can't. Two points yeah. to double your movement. Yeah, it's pretty good. You want to be careful though, because your footprint or your silhouette is so much bigger that you, you do not get covered. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's move on. Um, we have three items here that I've grouped together. They are the traditional small teams, ye old machine gun team. Um, now, what's interesting there is you can give a pintle mount tripod which gives the machine gun flack. Now, obviously, we don't see that too often because people don't often run planes. But if they did, this is how this list can get flack. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a sniper team, which is your standard sniper team, and your anti-tank rifle, which is your standard anti-tank rifle. So outside of adding a five-point flack to your machine gun team, which is optional, the machine gun team, the sniper team, and the anti-tank rifle team are all pretty standard lots of options i don't really run them i put my machine guns elsewhere if you were playing in a meta that had a lot of planes or you knew your buddy was going to be bringing them 
you might consider it. Although I'm putting my pental mounted machine guns on my Bryn carriers and I'm getting them that way. I will note that if you're playing with the juggernaut rules, then you probably want to really heavily consider this. Um, I never played them before I played in that tournament. And I think that if I would have rewrote my list, I would have taken like two medium machine guns. I have three of them um, because I've played a lot of historical game, uh, historical battles with historical matchups. And it's just, to me, you got to have machine guns on the board when you do that. In the jug rules, the guy who won the won the whole event had three medium machine gun teams, right? Yeah. And because they in the jug rules, um, you automatically do a pin just for shooting at a target. It's just very efficient, you know. And you're in all likelihood going to hit again, so you're probably doing two pins. I took a medium mortar in that list, and I, I just was like, "This is dumb." Like I never hit with this thing. You guys know, like medium mortars are just like you, they either do great or you, they do nothing. Exactly. Um, and so I wish I would have had some machine gun teams, even if it was just one. So you might want to consider if your group or your tournament's playing Juggernaut. Otherwise, I skip it. I think yeah. most guys who are playing competitively skip the medium machine gun altogether. Um, you just It's just not an efficient use of points. It's kind of a sink. I'd rather have five more regular guys. And um, five more regular guys and give them tough fighter, and it costs the same as one of these that's pental mounted. Well, you let's know. talk about the sniper and the anti-tank rifle. Snipers are fairly, I mean, everyone knows about them. They're very common in bolt action. They're great for stripping off small teams. Anti-tank rifles are hit and miss. Some people love them. Some people hate them. They're cheap order dice that are great against soft skins and or hunting veteran troops. Um, did you use either of these? Are you happy with the two of those? I I don't really run a sniper. I've never I've never found snipers to be particularly impressive in bolt action. Um, although I'll, I say that, and then, you know, when I run into a guy who has one and he like ruins my day, mm -hmm. then I'd like, man, maybe I should take a sniper. Um, the problem is like <laughs> every time I run them, they don't do anything. Cause it's just like, it's just like one dice. It gets real dicey real quick. And, um, the anti-tank rifle, I would, I would consider it if my meta dictated it. Um, I, I don't think that, um, the light anti-tank gun in the Greek list is very um, efficient, and I don't think it's necessary to take. I think it's kind of a waste of points. But if you're playing in a meta that was running, say, a Greek list like I like to run, or mm -hmm. had a lot of like um, armor seven or soft skins, yes, thirty points to just like, like plink them off the board is not a bad deal. And like so I think for thirty points, it's really not. It's really not that bad. They're small team because there's only two of them, so they're harder to kill. They have a pretty decent range. Um, but I think it's very meta dependent. Um, you know, if guys are running just like infantry and like a lot of armor eight, light tanks, things like that, not a lot of transports, you know. But if you're running into like carrier spam lists um, or you're running into um, recce spam lists, like it's a, it's a good way to just keep them at a bay and have an option that can deal with it. Like, even though it's not great, you're still fishing for sixes a lot of the time, but it's also not the end of the world and it's only 30 points. The other thing is if you play it right, once you bail your, your tough fighters and mountain troops out of those Bryn carries, you lose access to one of the machine guns and maybe your anti-tank rifle team jumps in that vehicle and just uses the machine gun the rest of the game and you use them as a backup. I do that all the time with my officer like i i'd run an inexperienced second lieutenant and he's not there to get to, to snap to and he's not there to give you your your, your bonus 
He's there to jump in that Bryn carrier when everyone else jumps out and operate those mm-hmm. that second machine gun. So th- there's a there's a way to run these guys. And if your opponent, you know, you either take out what you need to, or your opponent didn't really bring that stuff that any tank rifle would deal with. It's a cheap way to just man a Bryn carrier once your yeah. assault troops jump out. As you said earlier, there are mortars. We have light mortars and medium mortars. No heavy mortar. They're inexperienced, regular, and veteran, just like you'd expect in all the other ones. They're really straightforward. I I like a mortar um, as a way of dig- dealing with dug-in artillery and things that are hitting on sevens and you know that that lucky hit. It's dependent on what you want to do it, use them for. Um, and Craig, it sounds like you're not wicked excited about it, so we can probably just move on. From from my lists, I don't like them as much. Um, I don't like putting an experienced mortar up on the front line because he's going to get killed. Mm-hmm. So then you're having to pay for a spotter. Um, even if you run a regular, you're probably not putting him up on the front line because he's a three man team and he's going to get he's going to get wiped out. So you're, then you're paying for a spotter. I just a regular medium mortar with a spotter that's a Bryn carrier, right? Yeah. And so. The way I'm building my list, I'm not really a fan of these. I did put one in my jug list um, to try it out. I think that they are, they're not as efficient as they used to be in version one because of the way HE works and templates work now. They used to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like, oh, I hit your dug-in piece of artillery or your your dug-in mortar or whatever, and I do three hits instead of D6. And it used to be like, well, you did D6. That thing wasn't living because you're going to roll a four or five and you're going to do more hits than there are guys there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just don't find them as efficient. I think the light mortar is a complete waste in this list. Um, you know, but with that said, there is a way to build Greeks, and I've done it in the past, where you go very heavy on the HE. And if you do that, then you want to include this. But they also like where I get my HE is going to be when we talk about artillery. And the advantage artillery is they have gun shield. And you can direct fire. And a medium well, order can't do that. So they're just they're just not as efficient. They're not as reliable. And a medium artillery piece is only 25 points more than a medium mortar. And a light artillery piece is the same price. Mm-hmm. So for 50 points, I get the same amount of HE output and I can direct fire. And you get a gun shield. And you get a gun shield. So, you know, just... Like I said, if if you just want to run one piece of HE in the list, then just take a light artillery. The reality is, you, you with the Greeks, you want to take a medium or a heavy, um, not a light, even though they're they're not very mobile. And then you know, if you run, want to run heavy HE, then you consider taking the medium mortar, probably not the light mortar. And if you're thinking about taking the light mortar or or even a medium mortar, maybe you take VB launchers because they can move around and you're still fishing for sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're probably, you know, you're probably doing about the same amount of output with the template, um, at the end of the day. So there's not a huge difference in that and the type of stuff that you're attacking. Yeah. Um, now we're going to get into artillery here. And I think this is really important to consider and think about when you're running Greeks, I don't well, run an anti-tank gun. Let's, let's talk I, about I, the three types of basic yeah. artillery here. Because the Greeks, like a lot of the minor nations, get the full sweep. There's light artillery, medium artillery, and heavy artillery. They are the same as artillery in all the other books as far as pricing goes. Uh, so, And all three can be taken as an experienced regular veteran. Um, of course, the points vary, and I won't list them all out. Because literally, it's the same as every other army that has access to those guns. 
They do have the gun shield rule. I know some artillery pieces don't. Most do. These do. But yeah, it's it's all early war artillery and the Greeks have access to everything. Um, now, yeah. you have mentioned several times that um, artillery is the HE heavy Greek list is definitely a viable option. And it is. However, I hear my buddy Alistair yelling at me from Scotland in the background um, saying that competitively, if you are at the the cutting edge WTC wanting to be that guy writing that list, oftentimes um, people are building lists to fight that now, um, specifically because they're using a lot of light tanks that have you know a lot of machine guns, things like that, that will out deploy these guns and get rid of the big he so the static list is apparently not as powerful as it used to be and i just know that al would want me to say that hi al however it is definitely a viable build particularly if you're looking at an early war list when you know some of the world war one tactical doctrines were still floating around again it depends on how you build your list but regardless artillery is a viable weapon in this army list, especially given the limited nature of the vehicles and some of the small teams. Craig, hit me. Yeah, so when I build my Greek list, I always go into the list not planning on having a tool to deal with enemy armor. And uh, so I never consider the light anti-tank gun. Um, it's just, it's don't even, I, I would just go into your book and cross that entry out. Like, just don't, just don't oh, even think yeah. that it's there. What I always do is I put either a medium or a heavy artillery piece in the list. Mm -hmm. And that's my anti-tank gun because those two pieces will do just as good as a light gun does against mm -hmm. tanks. And so they're, they are literally your heaviest anti-tank option. On top of that, I, I get what Alistair says, but this is your only way to delete a thing especially if you end up in a city fight and you'll delete, I mean, a heavy howitzer, you'll delete it in a big way. You know, in a lot yeah. of lists or the rest of the, the rest of the armies, you don't really get to the point where you're considering these types of artillery pieces because you're investing so much in your either light tanks or your rec recon or your medium tanks, whatever that might be. And you just don't have the points to take a Sherman and a heavy artillery piece. Like you literally have nothing left to your army. Mm -hmm. But for the Greeks, it's like one of the only things that you have that you're going to spend big money on. And so I like the medium personally because it's just a little bit cheaper. Yeah. The HE is just as good at deleting things in a building as the heavy. And like I say, when I play my Greeks, when I go into the missions and someone has a tank on the board, I just ignore it. Yeah. I just play like it's not there. I don't I don't waste my time with it. I'm gonna go kill everything else and I'm gonna be and I'm gonna make you, you know, I'll, you know, you have some very efficient tanks that have like three sometimes more machine guns but most of them don't a lot of them only have two especially recce vehicles which people love to run mm -hmm. you know with their single auto cannon i just don't i just i just ignore them and yeah. so this is a way to deal with it if you need to but oftentimes i don't even find myself dealing with the tank i deal with the tank last and i deal with the enemy's dug in infantry with this um this is the thing that i use as i try to set it up so i can direct fire as much as i can and i try to you know, delete the, the, my opponent's anchor before my assault troops go in. So, um, and this is the way I do it. And I like to do it with a medium artillery piece. If I have the points, I'll do heavy, but oftentimes getting just that one extra guy doesn't really act as much of a meat shield for him as you might think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just don't feel like the heavy 
the heavy can be a little more efficient at killing things, but when you're shooting at buildings, it really doesn't make a difference. No, exactly. And buildings are a bit of a death trap in this edition. Yeah, I played the third game I played in that tournament, Brad, was it I don't think either one of us went into a building the whole game because both of us had both of us had all sorts of H E all of I mean, I had all these VB launchers and he had like a flamethrower and like Mm. I was like, nah, we're not playing we're not going into these buildings. He had like a Stug G with the short barrel or H, whatever it was, you know, with the short barrel, and he had like a mortar and he had like a light howitzer. I'm like, we're we're not no, no buildings allowed. <laughs> no. no, they're wonderful line line of sight blockers. Now, something to keep in mind, if you do take the heavy artillery, um, we did mention earlier that the uh, Greeks can now take the French Lafley tractor to tow it around. But the FAQ, not the most recent one, but the one before that, said that if you are playing a mission that doesn't allow you to start with your any units on the board, so you're not able to deploy your heavy artillery piece, you can move it on the board. Um, it just can't move past that point. So that was FAQ'd, allowing big guns like this to be deployed if you didn't have a tow. However, 15 points for a tow is a pretty cheap order dice and allows you to reposition these guys as necessary. I particularly like the heavy artillery in this list because this list doesn't have a lot of quote unquote teeth as far as units go. But I think the heavy artillery is particularly good because in most missions, you're going to put it on the board. You're going to pick your firing lane. You're going to decide what part of the board you want to dominate dominate slash uh, prevent your opponent from using or, uh, you know, being comfortable in. And then you can start this bad boy with ambush. Huge. Something to think about. Also, remember you can blow up buildings, which is great. Um, and that can be advantageous. I have seen someone once use a heavy artillery piece to destroy a building uh, and then run troops through it because they had the infiltrate rule. I don't know how they did that. I'm trying to remember the situation, but I have seen it, um, which made that easier to move through. Um, although I would rather probably leave something on ambush and have that gun pointed uh, in case somebody comes by. Anyway, let's move on. Um, you did say the light anti-tank gun, not great. Compared to some of the artillery pieces, again, probably not what you want to do. If you're rocking something historical, it is a low silhouette gun, so it's harder to hit. It also doesn't have a gun shield, which means it's cheaper. It's 45 points rather than 50 points for a light AT gun. You know, depends on what you want. But I think the other thing that's really worth talking about here is you can take a light autocannon. I I love autocannons. I use them all the time. I don't know if I'd use an autocannon in in this list unless I had a particular purpose for it. But the light Breda is here as well. And it is worth noting that you can give the light autocannon a second gun. So it counts as two light autocannons for the... Bonus point of plus 30 points. With how good autocannons are in version two compared to version one, I think that it's 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 worth considering um taking that model. Um yeah. I, I have I have looked. Um the only examples of a twin Breda autocannon that I have seen is mounted on like an Italian warship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the only model I can find is for like scale model building of boats. Um, but, uh, I think it's worth considering a, a twin auto cannon, especially with how much light stuff's floating around. If you're in a meta that's running a lot of like 
carrier spam and stuff like you ruin someone's day with some auto cannons like if 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 you can set set it up right and someone's like in some in some uh cover you ruin someone's day mm-hmm. um they're 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 particularly efficient now um in many ways and improved upon and so i if i was to run it i would run it as the dual auto cannon not the single auto cannon and pump out those those four shots and i think that i think that there's space for it it'd be nice if it had a gun shield it is a way to get flack on the board if you need it i prefer my auto cannons um mobile and on top of something and moving around um uh you know on a on a truck truck flatbed or on an armored vehicle flatbed of some sort you can't do that here but it, it can really if you're playing a more defensive greek list mm-hmm. i think it could really be an anchor in your defense you can exactly. put that thing in the right spot and and just be like come at me bro and yeah. uh i think it, it between that and a good howitzer and some strong you know you say you did the 10 man 11 man squads of tough fighters like it would be it would be um it would be a very challenging nut to crack um yes. and if you're running if you're running in like a format that lets you take multiple of these somehow like in jug where you can spend you know points to buy extra entries like man having like two or three of these like sitting out there at you know whatever 80 points a piece like I you know, just drop say- 160 points on two of these bad boys like the guy who won the the guy who won um the event up in uh white bear lake he had two is it the 37 millimeter american anti uh, auto cannons so they're the heavy auto cannons he was committing war crimes on people with those things i mean it was impressive how good they were and they used to not be like that like the only option in version one was you took a verbal vent or a quad and then you were really chewing through guys but i think that i think that this the the breda anti-aircraft gun the 20 mil especially with two barrels i think there's some play there in this greek in the greek list that i uh am very excited to explore Mm -hmm. (laughs) well as you say it's 50 points for the one barrel regular 80 points for two barrels regular it's 60 points though for veteran so if you're paying 10 points more it's harder to get rid of so it's 90 points because the 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 second barrel doesn't go up as far as veteran safety. Yeah, just, so that just makes it tougher. It depends on what you want to spend your points on. But yep. if you think about how effective the four HMG American half track, the meat chopper is, was it the M16? That thing's awesome at chewing through infantry. Then consider what this does. Um, again, it isn't mobile, but it's two light autocannons. If you're firing that many shots at veteran infantry, you can just watch them melt. Now, you, as you say, it's great against soft skins. It's great against um, light armored vehicles. It's just a wonderful uh, tool. If you would like a like to buy one of these, I know 3D print files exist. You just have to find them. And please don't ask me. I am not the guy to ask. However, if, if you ask me, I might be able to ask a few people. But the Breda two barrel is absolutely something to consider for this list, especially going back to what I said about the heavy howitzer, since you can start the damn thing with ambush and just say, all right, 
game starts, yeah. I'm ready to go. Come at me. Yeah. Um, and they're so much more efficient than like the light anti tank gun because you're getting multiple shots. You're getting multiple chances of hitting the thing, especially if you're dealing with soft skins, armor seven, even armor eight stuff. Like you, you're giving yourself a really halfway decent chance of deleting that thing off the board or, 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 or knocking it down a peg or two. Um, things with gun shields, like goodbye. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a yeah and it's 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 versatile right like i i said earlier like your howitzer is your anti-tank gun because it's gonna it has the same penetrating power as your anti-tank gun option in this the anti-tank gun really doesn't have good he option right but the breta can delete light stuff which is what I mean, my opinion is what you should really be running anyways in most bolt action lists is the lighter vehicles, not the heavier vehicles. And then you can turn around and delete infantry and you can delete things with gun shield and you can delete, you know, fixed gun firing positions. Like it's just, a, it's just an efficient weapon system at, especially at two barrels. Well, let's, let's dig into what you just said about light vehicles, because in this list, that's all you get. There are yeah. two tank options, boys and girls. Uh-huh. There's the the Vickers light tank we'll start with, which uh-huh. is 60 points in experience, 75 points regular, 90 points vet. It's a turret-mounted heavy machine gun and a coax MMG, which basically means you can fire one or the other. Eh. It is recce, which is good. However, you're paying for two machine guns, but you can only fire one at a time. Doesn't Doesn't feel good. I n- normally would not run this unless I really wanted to get two recce units in my army because there's a armored car, um, the perilous armored car option, which is also recce. Mm-hmm. So you could, in theory, run two recce vehicles, which is can be nice, and there is a strategy there. Um, yeah. But because you can only fire one machine gun or the other, I feel like you're ra- you're wasting a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so generally, I wouldn't I wouldn't run this. Um, Although it does have a place if you want to do two recce, and it um, it runs at full speed, unlike your other option, the Renault FT, which is slow, pitifully slow, um, and is also has one man turret. Um, however, the Renault FT I have run, and I actually kind of like it because it's very efficient on points. Thirty five points for regular, forty two points for for veteran. Before you get to that, though, I do want to point out that if you are starved for anti tank or weapons with AT uh, penetrating value, if because there's not a lot of, in the list, you could run the Vickers because it does have the heavy machine gun and that gives you a plus, I believe it's a plus one armor right. penetration. It's basically the same as an anti tank rifle with a couple of shots. And because it is mobile, because it is, it does have recce, it does give you some wiggle room. Yeah, it's probably a couple more points than it probably should be because it's got the coax. But, you know, if you want that tool, it's available. Yeah, I mean, mentally, if you want to think about, like, why would you take this over something else? Like, I think a Vickers light tank makes more sense than like a medium machine gun. Right. Right. For 25 more points, you get you get the HMG option. You're also armored. You also move faster. You also have recce for 25 points. So if you want to think of it as like, just a, a mobile armored machine gun like it you know and you're going to run it like that and use it like that then yeah i think it, it can be it can be efficient like i said like a lot of the times like i jokingly say like all this all this stuff we're talking about from here on out is like greek terminators right like this is your terminator with the assault 
the assault cannon, right? And so, you know, it it has a place. I just oftentimes I'm gonna go put those 75 points uh into into the most favorite vehicle I have in the list, which will be coming up when we talk about armored cars. One last thought with the Vickers. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, I prefer a medium machine gun to a heavy machine gun on vehicles because you get more shots. And you do. So if you want to run a Vickers, because you can only fire one or the other, if you want to shoot something that has an armor penetration or hit veteran infantry, the plus one's great. If you want more shots, if you happen to catch a squad out in the open and they're just regular and you want to, or inexperienced, you want to mow them down, you can use the machine gun, the medium machine gun. Again, not efficient, just there. Now, this is not the full version because it doesn't have the light anti-tank gun option. However, it yeah. this is the machine gun version. So 28 points inexperienced, 35 points regular, 42 points veteran, turret-mounted medium machine gun, seven-plus armor. It is a one-man turret, which means you must pass an order test to issue an advance order, even if it's not pinned, which, as Patch will tell us, is awful. And slow, pitiful, slow, which means the tank is slow, uh, which means it moves six inches, not nine, but it's not allowed to make a run order at all. However, so you can't move it 12. It has to move six. It can be given a run order. So avoiding the one-man turret rule, but it's still moving at six inches, if that makes sense. So if you desperately need to move it and you don't want it to pass a test to do so, you can. However, um, yeah, you're not firing anything. As you as you know, Brad, I love Patch, but Patch is wrong. <laughs> this thing... Is fantastic in my mind. I love it. It's 35 points for a machine gun. Like, like it is, Brad, it is 15 points cheaper than a medium machine gun. And it has armor seven up and it's not open top. Like, buy the thing and just stick it on a hill and be like, come at me. Like it's a bunker. And then if you really need to move it, move it. It's a poor man's dreadnought. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just like. It's like the Mechanicus, like slap some stuff together with the help of a mech boy and like made in the front to the emperor and, and like, yeah. but it's 35 points. Like, it's crazy. I don't know how points work in this game. I honestly don't. I kind of do because Judd helped write this book yeah. um, back in the day. And I, I, I've seen how the sausage was made, as it were. But 35 points for a medium machine gun that bullets can't kill. So if you have 35 points to spare at the end of the day, it's like, just buy a Renault FT. Like, don't think of it as a tank. It's not a tank. Like, it is not a tank. It nope. is a medium machine gun. You sit it on an objective, you're not moving it, and you tell your opponent to come assault yeah. you off of it. You're seven, you get seven plus armor. It's not open top. So your bullets are, are bouncing right off the thing, and you just... Put out your pin every turn. Put out your pin every turn. And if you have to move, you you move. You're not, you're not putting this in outflank. You're not coming on from reserves. Use it as a cheap order dice to sneak into the army, and you put them right on a critical objective. And and in your in your opponent's mind, he's not thinking, oh, that's just a machine gun up there. He's thinking, he's got a tank over there. What? How am I going to deal with this tank? And so maybe he takes his armored car with the autocannon and decides to come chase your Renault FT instead of 
you know, chase off after your, you know, 55 point assault squad that's sitting in a Bryn carrier because mm-hmm. he's sitting there thinking tank, 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 but it's not a tank. It's nope. not a tank. It's a medium machine gun that costs 15 points less and can't be killed by infantry. The common sort of thought is that medium artillery is like a big competitive choice and you don't take heavy because it's not as point efficient, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not so much on the efficiencies here, kids. I'm here for fun and historic accuracy when I can. Anyway, when your tank isn't 150 points or 200 points or 250 points, depending on what tank you want to take, when your tank is 35 points, guess what, gang? You can take multiples of them with multiple platoons and not feel bad about paying for a second officer. And you can splurge a little bit for bigger guns or that yeah. second barrel on your autocannon. If you're playing in a format that's letting you take tank platoons along with infantry platoons, yeah, like mix them together. Like I take an infantry platoon and and maybe take an entire platoon of Renault FTs. You know, for five of them, five of them for what 175 points. <laughs> I mean, my preference would be to take an L five L three tankettes because they're more efficient with how many bullets mm-hmm. they put out. But if you just need to, like, you got 175 points to burn, like, in a dual tank list and infantry list, like, oh, they're good. You're wrong, Patch. I know we haven't talked in years, but you're wrong. I think he's more talking about that rule on bigger tanks. But (laughs) let's let's move on before we hit Holy War and Civil War within uh, Ghost Army podcast. The L3 tankette. Now, this one's the famous Italian tankette. It is very, very small. It's very, very low to the ground. By the way, we're in the armored car slots now. Um, It is 52 points inexperienced, 65 points regular, 78 points veteran. It is also a seven up armor. In fact, you don't get anything in this army list that's more than seven up um, because the peerless is also seven up and the universal is a seven up. So anyway, the L3. So as I said, 52 points in experience, 65 regular, 85, sorry, 78 veteran, two forward facing hull mounted medium machine guns. It's open topped, but it is very, very small. And so it's easy to get cover with this thing. And it's got two hull mounted medium machine guns. Don't be confused with the Italian one, though, because the Italian one has the option for a flamethrower. And this one doesn't. However... It is 65 points for a regular small, so it's harder to hit, dual medium machine gun, open-topped tank at. Not bad. It's great. It's my favorite it's my favorite unit in the entire selector, mm-hmm. hands down. I, I love running as many of these as I, I'm allowed to. 65 points for, remember, a medium machine gun is 50 points. Yeah. You get two of them for 65 that are armor seven. Now they're open top, so they still do get pinned. But you, you, I will, I always do this. I let my opponent know because I don't want them to be butt hurt during a game. This thing is open top, so you can't put pins on it. Right. Then when you're playing the game, nine times out of 10, they'll sit, they'll think to themselves, that's a tank. I can't shoot it with my rifleman. Yeah, it just happens. It just happens. Um, and I, like I said, I always like to remind people and tell them because when someone has a bad day playing against my Greeks, 
it's because of these and because of Bryn carriers. And a lot of times it's because of these, because you're putting out 10 dice. Yeah. Just really very efficiently. Are. When you say they're small and they're low to the ground, like it's very easy for them to get covered. It's also very easy for you to just hide them. Like you're you're you will probably play on boards where the stone walls that they've printed or generically bought or cast themselves or made themselves or the hedgerows are twice as tall as these things are. And if you if you ever have seen one in real life or in a video, you think, how in God's green earth did a man fit in there? Did two men fit in there? Yeah. How did it happen? I mean, yep. the hatch is preposterously small. Like my laptop has a is like the square surface of it is bigger than the hatches to those things. I don't know how it worked. Yeah. And I understand people were skinnier back then than they are today. I get that. I don't know that they were that skinny. Like, no. you know, like it's insane. Yeah. But they're super good. I, I yeah. absolutely love them. I, I will, like I said, if I can get two or three of them into my list, I'll do it every day, all day. The other thing, which I think gives them an advantage, I know they're open topped, which means they can get pins on them. But the other thing is that if your opponent's shooting at these to put pins on them, they're not shooting at your other stuff. Yeah, they don't have a squad inside them like your brain carriers. So you throw these up there first. You you they're putting out a bazillion dice. They're putting out more dice than the Bryn carriers are, although they can't split fire, but they're not shooting at your infantry that's on the ground. They're not doing these other things. And they're like, oh, I'm just trying to pin this thing. And in V2, getting rid of pins is way easier than it was in V1. So who cares? Like, like I said, oh, yeah. th these are your terminators. These are not, you can't think of these things as tanks and armored cars. You have to think of these things as armored infantry these are infantry with armor on them and now you yeah. run them and treat them and think of them as the same way you can't say like well the tanks and the armored cars are garbage in the greek list it's like no they're not they're just mm -hmm. better more efficient infantry and squad operated weapons they're very and when you think about that you're like oh my gosh they are they're really good like yeah. they're very efficient use of points they put out a lot of shots they put out a lot of pins they can go take and hold things the other thing that i like i i will take the l3 over the peerless armor car well because it's very difficult to find a model of a peerless armor car i prefer them because they're also tracked yes. your armored car is wheeled i know mm. you get recce and you're paying you're, you're basically paying another 15 points to get recce which is fine if you want recce and there's i mean there's always a place for recce and maybe if you have the option to run two armored cars you take one of each because you're still getting twin MMGs, the Peerless Armored Car also shoots 360, but I've never really had a problem with moving my tankette and pointing it in the direction I need it to be pointing. Like, that's not, I've not found that to be an issue. You know, if you want more speed, you could go to the Armored Car. I just like shaving the 15 points to spend elsewhere and then taking as many of them as I can squeeze into a list. And they were super, they're super annoying to deal with. They're just yep. super annoying. And you're like, why am I wasting all this energy on killing this tankette, putting pins on it, and then it keeps moving, and it's putting out 10 shots of medium. I mean, the, and the range is better because it's medium machine guns over your riflemen. I mean, if you had 10 riflemen shooting rifles, right, you're looking at 100 points, mm -hmm. and I can shoot the same number of dice at 65 points and be armored. And it's got a longer range, but the riflemen can take objectives. And in most missions, vehicles can't take objectives. Yeah, so... but but the way I'm running this list, right? And you know how I'm running this list. Oh, yeah. The way I'm running this list is my riflemen 
are hiding in their own form of special armor mm -hmm. and they're not doing any shooting. And so my tankettes are doing all the heavy work and they're spraying my opponent as much as I can. And then on turn four or five, turn four, five, and six, my riflemen are hopping out of, 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 of their transports and jumping on the objectives. Well, I want to talk about the peerless because the peerless is if you photocopy it and stick it in the Japanese book, it is almost a perfect clone of my favorite armored car in the game, which is the type 87. It is also, I think it's the same point value, uh, 64 points inexperienced. 80 points regular. It is 96 points veteran. It is two turret mounted MMGs. It is seven plus armor and it has recce. And I'm going to hold up a picture. If you haven't looked up what a peerless looks like, it is sin ugly, but it uh -huh. it's is straight out of world war one. No, it is right. Yeah. As Greg said, finding a model for this thing is difficult. However, 3d printing is wonderful. I'm sure, in fact, I'm positive there are files for this out there. Again, message the page and I can probably find someone who can help you. Not me. I'm not good at this, but I know people who are. These are great. And having just being able to zip around. I mean, Craig, you said you like the track. I like the wheels. I like to go fast. And so being able to move these guys 12 24 on a road with an advance to be able to get into a position, maybe drive up around a corner and hose a squad that's behind a wall. So all of a sudden they don't have cover anymore. That is what I use the type 87 for. And then the next turn that has recce so I can zip away. If someone tries to return fire me, I usually use the um, type 87 to do that zip up and shoot maneuver towards the end of the turn. So the beginning of the next turn I can go, or if I really need to double down, I'll go early drive up even closer point blank and try and wipe out that squad. It depends right. on what the mission is and what my goal is, but these things are horrifying. I love them uh, for 80 points regular. Uh, I, I would take this all day long, but I absolutely understand the L three's appeal. It is way smaller, way easier to hide and has the same number of shots uh, and it's cheaper. Um, yeah. I just yeah. really like wheeled vehicles and I really, really like this. When I'm building my Greek list, I'm trying to squeeze as much stuff into it. And so when I look at these two things, I'm like, the tank gets 15 points cheaper. Yeah. That's yeah, purely what I'm, the, the, my decision. You know, I, is there a place for the peerless? Absolutely. Like if you like recce and you want that ability and you like turret and you like wield, spend the 15 points. I think you, you it's very viable on this list. But for me, when I'm running mine, I'm just like, how many machine guns can I squeeze into this list on pieces of armor? That are, that are armored, right? How many can I get in there? Um, and how can I be more efficient with my points? What do I need to avoid to do that? Um, and I just find the tank at, especially with the low silhouette and just, oh, I just, man, I love it. I love it so much, Brad. Exactly, yeah. Sorry, There's a part ahead. of me that like, if I was to like get into reenacting and collect like old World War II vehicles for funsies, I'd be like, the first thing I do is like, well, let's go, let's start small, right? And I would just get like an L3 tank at and I'd like join the like county parade every year, like rolling down the street in this little tank that I could barely fit my legs into. And like, right. you know what I do is I'd give it to like my seven-year-old and dress him up, dress him up as a Greek soldier for like uh, Halloween and just have him go door to door with that thing. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And it would probably work going down people's sidewalks. 
Well, let's, let's move on to the transports. I, I did mention there is an additional one, as I've mentioned before, and I'll say again, you can get the Laffley tractor to move artillery pieces around. It's the tow. I believe it's 15 points regular. I should look it up. We also have the truck, exactly the same truck as everyone else. It's a 39-point regular truck. You'd expect it, 12-man, same thing as always. However, no medium machine guns. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. No medium machine guns on this. So you cannot do truck spam with machine guns in this list. You can, however, use one of the best transports in the game, hands down, the Bren carrier. So it's the standard Bren, 48 points in experience, 60 point regular, uh, 72 points veteran. It's a forward-facing LMG, seven plus armor, can take five dudes, can tow a lighter, a medium AT gun. Notice there's no medium AT gun in this list. Anyway, cut and paste. You can take another pintle-mounted LMG and or you can replace the forward-facing LMG with a boy's anti-tank rifle. Although, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen that. It is open-topped and it has the turn-on-the-spot rule, which means it can make a full-speed reverse, finishing its move, facing in the direction that it's traveling. So it... If you're depending on how you're moving it, it basically gets extra turns. You cannot use that rule though if you're using it as a tow. This thing is wonderful. And we've talked about it earlier in the list at length. I won CanCon a couple of years ago, running actually many years ago, using an Indian carrier list, which is the wheeled version of this. And I just yep. had a bunch of these. It was like a reconnaissance platoon, had a bunch of these things zipping around. And I just partnered them up or put them in a group of three and zipped around and then just laid out pins, stacked pins, two to three pins on one unit and two to three pins on another unit by splitting sure. fire with these things. And they're, they're fast. Yep. They help defend the, the infantry inside them. So then you could zip up and take objectives later. They're just wonderful, especially for their points. Craig, I know you've said this at length. Do you want to add anything to that? I'm sure you do, because these things are the bread and butter of your list. Unless you're playing someone who's like really competitive and knows uh, what's up, you're not running into like a bunch of HMGs and autocannons. And that's right. the thing that this list hates. And that this, mm -hmm. the, I lost to the guy who won that tournament and he was running like two auto cannons and a tow with a heavy machine gun on it and a light tank with a heavy machine, you know? And so it's just like, that'll chew through this. Yeah. Most people aren't doing that though. And, uh, it's just, it's really good. Like you take that 55 man tough fighter squad, you put it in here, at, you know, you, you give it the extra LMG so that when they're riding inside, you're just putting out pens. They're not dying. They might take pens, but they're not dying. Uh, when they when they're getting shot at, you can move them around. You can put them in outflank. Um, you you just go get stuff, and it's annoying. And you can turn on the spot. Like it's not like other transports where it's like, well, I only get one or two moves a turn depending on what I'm doing. It's like no, you just measure the range and put it where you want it to be, facing the direction you want. Which means your your forward facing LMG is always going to be shooting at a thing. Like you're never going to be in a position where you've been outmaneuvered and you can't get that thing turned around and you're just using the pintle. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you bail out all your little light teams that are running around or beat up squads, you know, that have hardly own us, you just jump them in and keep manning those machine guns and just keep pumping that out. I like to run 
three of these, two or at least two, three is more ideal. If you can squeeze four, four gets starts getting a little more on the expensive side because they are 70 points a pop plus that 55 man squad. Another viable tactic is to, um, if you don't want to run those regulars, you can run five man and experience squads to shave some points um, and leave them in there. You know, there is a world where I could see running the anti-tank rifle um, because you got that machine gun putting out pins. And it's a world where um, you're dealing with like heavier weapons and things like that that have a have armor shield. But you're probably not going to do that. Um, Be careful because they're open top. You don't want to just totally run them out there because you will be giving those pins to your troops inside. But this is these are your space marines, man. You got Greek yep. space marines on the board. They're not quite terminators like the tankette is and the the other guys are. But you you think about them as these are armored troops that are mobile, yeah. and then you get to your spot and you deposit the infantry where you need them to be, and then the infantry goes and assaults the thing. Exactly, and it's 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 beautiful. It, and it, you're just like this is so cool that <laughs> that that you that that I can do this. I always I always I do have to point out that the uh, fluff on the Bryn carrier is quite hilarious here. They only put like one line. The Greeks had a number of British Bryn carriers, hard so stuff to stop, but they're really good. They're really good. And you know, this is this is how I make my Greeks competitive and run efficiently, and they do pretty well. But also think a lot of the other minor powers have access to Bryn carriers and a lot of allied nations have access to Bryn carriers um, mm-hmm. and, and, or the Indian pattern carriers or some other inexperienced transport that has lots of machine guns. And I know transports sometimes get a bad rap because they're not really good. It's because you're using the wrong ones um, mm-hmm. or you're thinking about the wrong ones, you know? Um, and I think that the Bryn carrier is really, really efficient. I'm, I'm currently working on a new Russian list because like I said earlier, I sold all my Russians before I moved and now I need more Russians. Um, oh, and yeah. that list, that list it has a combination of Bryn carriers and uh, white scout cars um, with, with it's even grosser because the guys inside all have submachine guns, you know? So, oh, yeah. and it's even more machine guns. I think that list that I, that I crafted for that just a thousand points has something like 18 or 19 machine guns. And everything's inside of a vehicle. And it's just a regular reinforced platoon. You know, it's filthy. But Bryn carriers are great. And they really they really help the Greeks um, punch up a little above their weight as far as, like, what your options are. You don't have a lot of really interesting, cool entries as far as your infantry go. You don't have a lot of options. You Regular dudes, maybe some with tough fighters. It's probably what you're running. Maybe inexperienced. Maybe cavalry if you can convert them you know but i would venture to say that nobody has ever run greek cavalry in a game of bolt action because where are you going to get greek cavalry exactly unless you spend the time to convert them you know um Mm -hmm. and so and then you know you've got the howitzer options but you don't have a lot of the other tools you don't have heavy auto cannons you don't have you don't have flamethrowers you don't have assault troops you don't have i mean all these other tools that other lists have access to you don't have some machine guns you don't have assault rifles you don't have the americans moving fire rule you don't have you know the british free artillery observer you don't have the free squads you know that everyone gets you don't get the morale boosts that the japanese get where they just never die and always come at you you know so 
you don't have all the different i mean you don't have like the freaking russians basically can take any piece of equipment that anyone made during the war period in stop they can take all the things like that was yep. what was so much fun about being a russian player when i was doing it you know it was just like buying all the things well the greeks have like just a handful of things like so it really challenges you as a player to be like how do i make the handful of things work and what i've found is brain carriers l3 tank ads really protecting your infantry in these like armor these like lightly armored boxes to keep them alive and then you can be hyper you can actually be very aggressive with them as opposed to like well i'm just an infantry that has to dig in and, and go down and hold right and so you actually have the ability to to counter punch and to punch um and people people are like oh isn't that cute you're running greeks and then you're like i just tabled you you know yeah. oh, well let me take that back i tabled everything but your medium tank because i have nothing yeah. to deal with your medium tank but that doesn't matter because your medium tank was a waste of points right yeah. when i when i run this list and i'm running my greeks i always tell myself and i said this earlier was you have to ignore the enemy's armor you can't you have to just think like this is just a thing that is put that is this is this is not my this is not my uh 65 point machine gun pillbox this is my opponent's 275 two machine gun pillbox right mm -hmm. because that anti-tank gun isn't doing nothing so what if he he hits you with a medium anti-tank gun at your l3 tank at like yeah you everyone knows those anti-tank guns hit like two maybe three times a game if you're lucky mm -hmm. and half and then one or two times they're not going to penetrate so who cares like just ignore it don't even think it's on the board just be like i la 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 i'm i have a thousand points and you have 200 you have 250 less than i do you're playing with 750 against my thousand and that's how you that's how i've constructed i construct all my greek armies and most tournaments and events i go to i win two out of three games sometimes three out of three and in a five five tournament, three wins or four wins is very reasonable, very oh, yeah. reasonable. And to and to to place in to place, um, to 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 place in like the top five or top ten is very reasonable expectation for this list, because um, it can be very competitive and it's very mobile, which is really really important. And I've found over the years in bolt action is you have to have mobility because you have to be able to go get the objectives. If your list lacks mobility or loses mobility. Then you're then you then you, your opponent has all the initiative and they have the control over the game, but this list because all the options are so cheap and that's why it shaves so many. I have to like go for the more efficient, cheaper thing. You have redundancy in the list. I have two or three tankettes. I have two or three squads in Bryn carriers, right? I have, you know, all these. I have all this redundancy built in, and I have lots of options. So if you take something out, I'm not like, oh my god, all my eggs are in one basket. I'm like, all right, I just have to adjust. Like yeah. I have more machine guns. I have more th little things that are armored. And I know, I know that you didn't bring enough tools to deal with all of them. Like you can efficiently deal with like two of these things. You could deal with, you could deal with two of the armored cars or two of the Britain cares over the course of the name. But you can't deal with six of them, you know? Exactly. So, and it, it allows them. And then with field craft and with the, um, um, uh, the, all the other special rules, um you you know the the infiltration special rule like those things are just boosts the one special rule is it's supposed to be a hindrance it doesn't do anything it doesn't but the other two are very powerful and very big especially if you're trying to be like a counter-attacking army or just giving your troops even more protection because you don't take the hit 
No. You don't take the hit to come on from outflank. You know, and if you want to get really fun, you put inexperienced squads in your regular Bryn carriers. Yes. Or a light or a truck. Yep. Right. Exactly. Or a truck. You know, like the best way to do, in my opinion, when you're running trucks in Greeks is you run them as regulars and you load them up with inexperienced guys and you, you use that truck as a way to even more reliably get them on the board. Right. And where they need to be. And it gives them that armor protection around them that yep. and armor protection yes they're soft skins but getting rid of soft skins is harder than most people realize yeah um, it's still a six yeah because you're rolling on that chart and if you're playing um, right you're not throwing the thing out in front of a line of rifles and machine guns right. when you come on the board right. right you're throwing it out in your opponent's backfield to catch them off guard or you're using it as a threat mm -hmm. right i have a i have a truck full of dudes you have to hold something back because he's going to come for your backfield and take your objectives. And if you pop it on at the end of the game and you drive up next to that objective and someone shoots, and of course this works for all armies, but if you get shot, yes, you're going to lose some guys out of the back, but when they dismount, they're automatically going down, which is what you want them to be on the objective. It's almost better than running them on the board because when you run onto the board, then you're running and so you're yeah. not down and so people are shooting at you it's much easier to hit you so a you're wrapped up in this uh tinfoil bag that protects you to a degree and when it finally goes all of a sudden you're down which is where yeah. you want to be next to the objective it's yeah man it's a that is an underrated um strategy in a lot of bolt action games just to keep in mind man an inexperienced squad or a regular squad in a truck Without the machine gun, sure, the machine gun can throw out some shots and that can be good. Um, but when I was running Horch Spam with my um, Africa Corps back in the day, you know, someone blows up my Horch, that's fine. My veterans go down. Now you have to deal with them the next turn. And if you yeah. do deal with them somehow, you're either assaulting me and I've got the ability to push you back or um, because I have the SMGs or I'll just go down again. So I'm on yep. your objective and you have to deal with it. Anyway, yep. Craig, now we're getting off Greeks, but I do want to, before we go, I absolutely have to say, if listening to this has gotten you interested in Greeks, Great Escape Games makes, uh, I think, two ranges of Greeks. These were not available when Craig converted his army, but they are available now. And I do yep. highly recommend Great Escape Games. I have their Hungarians. Um, not their Hungarians, they're Romanians. Beautiful models. The great impression. And, and they have a priest, an Orthodox priest model in there too, which is fantastic. I love, I love that. You beat but their, their range is really good. Their their yeah. range is really clean, really good. I really like it. There's a lot of diversity in their models. Um, I would, I would definitely re recommend checking checking those ones out for people who are interested. I converted mine. I mostly use Black Tree Design stuff. And cut all the heads off of, or I, yeah, I either use their Italians or French, and then I used mm -hmm. a lot of um, French models from um, from Warlord, and did head swaps with my um, my Russian hel helmets, and I just trimmed the edge off the helmet to, to to make it look like more like an Italian helmet. Or I used Italians from Warlord, and they work really good, especially for like gun crews, machine gun crews. They used a lot of the same equipment. Um, the the Greeks 
mostly had Italian helmets. There were some French helmets out there circling around. I don't really like, I didn't really like that look. I wanted them to have the, the Italian helmets. Um, but they had a lot of Ita or um, French uniform parts and a lot of old French artillery and equipment. So there's plenty of stuff. I think trench works. I think all my artillery came from trench works when he, back in the day when he did his Kickstarter, like years yep. and years ago when he was first getting started and he, um, sent, sent me um, to review a bunch of the um, artillery pieces and they're fantastic. It's all the old French guns, um, tankettes. Um, I think I, think I would Mad get Bob them 3D printed. I think it's Mad Bob that has Mad Bob. Okay, maybe it's Mad Bob. It's Mad it could have been. No, it definitely um, is because they have all of the guns that we talked about today. Okay, okay. Then it's Mad Bob. Either way, they did a Kickstarter. Both Trenchworks yep. and Mad Bob are great. Um, mm -hmm. I love all their stuff. Yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of good options as far as the L3 tank at. I I got mine 3D printed on Shapeways like a thousand years ago, and they are rough. This was before res resin printers, so it's all in like the the plastic, the PVC or whatever, and they are rough. But I would get them 3D printed. They're a third of the price is what Warlord wants, like forty bucks for one. It's really. To be fair, the it's, Warlord one, I was looking at one the other night in a friend's Italian army. It looks really nice. I will give them that. They do have, they, they can have really nice looking things, but I got mine 3D printed. There's tons of that out there. Um, I think I'm going to say Trenchworks this time for the, uh, the, the Renault. Yes. The, uh, the French tank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I got his for those because I have the machine gun and I have the, uh, light howitzer light anti-tank gun option the little like it looks like it looks like the tube on an aerial mortar for like a firework like yeah. like fireworks aerial mortars right like like they put that on there and you're like how is this even a gun um yep. but I, I i've got those magnetized so i could if i wanted to run them in a french army they're really good because they're they're old world war one tank is what they are um yeah. and so um the vickers light tank i think warlord's got models for it um cavalry I, if I was to do cavalry, I would um, convert them the same way I converted my Cossacks. I would buy the Perry Brothers um, ACW cavalry and uh, mm -hmm. cut the dudes off because you have the the all the kit, all the um, saddle kit is pretty generic, and they mm -hmm. have good they have riding boots um, yes, that are pretty good. And you just cut the guys off at the waist, and then um, uh, what I did for my Cossacks is I used the Russian summer uniforms without the padding. You know, the the, the, the like fall winter padding uniforms just the basic tunics um and cut those off at the waist and glue them on and then i would just use the russian helmets and trim the edge off um and then um i like my cavalry to have sabers because it's badass and amazing to look at and mm -hmm. um and so what i wouldn't try to use the um acw arms because they're not going to match the warlord ones that well but take the um you can take and manipulate and maybe use some green stuff on the arms from the uh, the Warlord kits, but then cut the hands off that have sabers and put them on there. And it looks so good. It looks so good, Brad. And then, and then if you really want it to look good, you give, you give one of your guys a bugle. <laughs> you pull that bugle out of that ACW kit and you have him just like, oh, it looks so good. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Craig, I think so, once we start talking bugles, I think we've officially hit a rabbit hole too far. So, yeah. brother, it has been 
absolutely wonderful seeing your face today. Please come back again. Um, it is always a pleasure to talk shop. And uh, it's just great to see you playing bolt action again. It's wonderful to hear the deep dive on the Greeks. Now, like literally as this episode is choking down a, into an audio file, I'm going to be going to Great Escape Games and looking at Greeks because you're a bad man. You should. All right. We'll talk. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. It's been, I know we've we've done a couple of these over the years for various other games, but you know, this is like riding a bike. Uh, you know, we met we met because of bolt action, we became friends because of bolt action. We did a lot of work together in V1 days, and um, it was a lot of fun playing there at uh, at Battleground Cafe in White Bear Lake, just there in um, in south or north of uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis area. And, you know, talking to you and, and getting the itch again has been a lot of fun. Like I said, I already have another army on the painting table um, ready to go. I'm already thinking about building building out Greek cavalry because it's really the only thing I don't have, you know. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. So thanks for having me. Anytime, brother. Folks, thank you for listening to the Ghost Army podcast. We are back. I'm not sure how often these will be. We will be running them. Yes, Cast Ice will still be running as occasional bolt action uh, episodes, obviously. Uh, but Cast Ice, by its purpose and design, was supposed to jump to a bunch of different game systems. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get more of the old crew together and some of the newer uh, Ghost Army crew together to do future Ghost Army podcasts as well. This is a little bit of a special experimental episode that folks can listen to and uh, see if you like the new format. Yes, it was a little bit more competitive focus than maybe some of the gaps in the past, but that was by design. The real point here was to show you the Greeks are a viable army list in bolt action, and they really are. So we would love to hear your thoughts. You can either comment on the video if you're watching this on YouTube, or you can go to the Cast Eyes Facebook page and message the page with your feedback of whether or not you like this. Yes, we would love to have the whole old ghost army podcast crew back and you know perhaps we'll do that soon but this has been a really fun trip back down the ghost army podcast memory lane and uh, we look forward to bringing more content soon so stay with us guys and as always if you have more want more information about this episode and other bolt action episodes on this network go to the cast dice facebook page have a great day guys and stay safe out there Good night.
دوست آمد.